Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. You can find me on Twitter at Clinton Bon, and I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. You can find him out on Twitter at Pod. Brandon, I kind of feel like we're, we're, we're live on Locker Room. It's a, it's a Sunday, noontime. For you, it's early a.m. We're just getting up, probably that first or second cup of coffee. I was weed whacking for the last 45 minutes. I'm full of full of nature's, nature's uh, saliva, which is probably <laughs> pollen, right? So I'm raring to go. And I think we have a really fun and interesting topic that, we, that, that you actually dug up this week and said, why don't we talk about this? So, Brandon, what are we going to talk about today? Oh, I appreciate you giving me credit for your idea because you you wanted to talk about the top positions throughout the NFC West. And we, we well, maybe it was me that decided that we're going to start with quarterback and running back. So, so this was collaborative. We're going to start by going down, talking about our top three guys at each position. And so today we're going to be doing quarterbacks. We're going to be doing running backs. And if we have time for it, maybe we'll get to the wide receivers, too. But we got people joining us in locker room so they can weigh in and uh, we could just have a good time talking about this upcoming season and who we like at the different positions, even throughout the NFC West. I don't really like talking about other teams so much, <laughs> but, you know, this this particular topic is probably going to be heavily Seahawks focused. There's going to be some Seahawks. You know, it wouldn't be a Seahawks podcast without without some Seahawks on there. And it also, uh, we're, we're a pretty good team, right? So when we talk about some of these positions, well, we got some guys here. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think it's going to be cool to kind of, to you know, take the take the homework blinders off and have some honest discussions around if we're ranking dudes like one, two, and three specifically at these positions, where do we really think our Seahawks fall amongst the NFC West, you know, brethren, if you will. So Super excited to dive into that. And 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 yes, whether it was my idea, your idea, our idea, it's our house. We're here together for all the 12. So why don't we why don't we hop right in? I think you said we would get going before we start with maybe the quarterback position. So makes sense. Most important position on the team. What do you think? Well, and it's also the easiest one to decide who's number one in the division. I don't think you can go to any other team in the division and say and make an argument for anyone other than Russell Wilson being the top quarterback in the NFC West. Yeah. So I think, so yes. So this is going to be a yes. And type of type of answer, maybe type of show. So the, it, it's absolutely rusted. There's, there's not, it's a tier also, you know, Russ is a, is a top three, you know, sometimes top five, almost always top three quarterback in the NFL, sometimes top twos. And, and then often the first half of years, top one, maybe we'll get a full season this, this time around. Russ is an elite quarterback. The others in this division are not, obviously we know Russ Wilson very, very well. And when I went back and just revisited some of his his career stats, number one, he's he actually had maybe his best year ever, in ter- certainly in terms of touchdowns last year. And his consistency is just it's just freaking unreal. And that's probably going to weigh in on some of the other dudes in this division when it comes to quarterback. Uh, but it's just it is just uncanny. Not too many dudes do what he does. It's why he's going to end up with a gold jacket one of these days. Oh, he's well on his way. You know, multiple Pro Bowls. I think he's what a seven time Pro Bowler. One season where he didn't make it, it was because he was in the Super Bowl. And, and you know, it's consistently when you're talking Pro Bowl quarterbacks in the NFC, the conference as a whole, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, those are the three guys at the top every single year. And so it, it kind of makes it difficult for other quarterbacks to participate if, uh, you know, as long as they're not injured. And I mean, Aaron Rodgers usually doesn't even participate in the Pro Bowl, but he's always uh, he, he's always up there. He's too busy. He's, He's too voted busy in. He's always yes. voted in. That's the the point I was trying to make. 
and I, I do want to get into it because I think it's a good measure for the quarterbacks that we're going to be talking about after Russell Wilson. You know, I've always made the argument that my number two quarterback in the NFC West is injured Russell Wilson. And that still <laughs> might be the case when you're talking about some of the other guys. So um, I'm I'm going to be interested, though, to see who you have picked as your second quarterback, because I think this is where there's going to be the biggest argument of, of who who the number two guy is in the NFC West. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I went back. This was a not not so much a flip flop because because I haven't said it who it is yet, but I mentally was going back and forth as I looked at them. And I, I really tried to dive in to some of the stats and some of the things that that I could project going into this year as well and saying, OK, so it's 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 a it's some of its history. And I'm also looking at some of this stuff throughout throughout this episode that's like, where do I where do I think they're going next? Also, what's going to happen in this 2021 season? So it, I can tell you who it's not. It, it's not, it's nobody on the 49ers for, right. for me. Like they're, they're not going to show up. Well, right? OK, um, let's talk about that real quick, because, yeah, sure. it, it can't be anybody on the 49ers, because if you say it's Jimmy Garoppolo, well, the 49ers don't even believe in Jimmy Garoppolo enough that they traded up two future first round picks to get Trey Lance. And then there's some questions of whether or not Trey Lance is even going to start right away. So I, I just I have trouble putting either of those guys in the discussion for the top three. Yes, and if you're Rob Stanton, you think that Trey, Trey Lance is, is not going to start very uh, very long in the NFL as well. So yeah, was, Rob uh, had some uh, thoughts on that on the yeah, Seahawkers Rob podcast had, Rob, this Rob, last week, as as Rob does on the Seahawkers podcast. It was a great job though. It was it was uh, fun filled, and, he, and he, he really delves into it, and it was, it was good. You, like you said, you got Rob going on a rant, and and when he does those those types of things, it can be quite entertaining. It was a good one. Especially okay, so I threw that. to you for number two, and then you like deferred on it. I feel I'm like nobody I've wants to I've take this first step. Who, who's going to take the first step? Here? Okay, I'll I'll take. I'm going to you know take. I'll take a step forward. For me, it is Kyler Murray. It, it's it's not Stafford. It's Kyler Murray, and it boiled down to a couple couple of things here. It's like I realized that their game is like incredibly horizontal. He hasn't shown. Too, you know, he, he goes downfield like enough. I mean, there's a couple of plays last year where it was like a, a D hop touchdown right before halftime versus the Seahawks. It kind of got them back in the game. Beautiful pass downfield, contested ball, the whole thing already. When when I just stack these dudes up, it's 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 not that hey Stafford's older. It is simply that Murray's entering year three. His stats, you know, almost four thousand yards. He was banged up, and yeah, I have to look at the running stats. He had eight. 119 yards on the ground and 11 touchdowns on the ground. That is a different type of quarterback. So it's not like who's the best thrower, like who's the best Dan Marino, like, you know, who's more like Dan Marino, Stafford or Murray? Uh, Stafford. Okay. The question is, who's the, who's the better of the two quarterbacks? And even though he's only entering year three, I'm still with Kyler Murray on this one. It's, it's my pick too. And I don't think it should be a controversial one. Another thing, if even if looking just outside of stats, I would say put Kyler Murray into the Rams offense and he would be better than Matt Stafford in the Rams offense because you have the added running dynamic that Kyler Murray brings. And I think he can be just as good of a thrower as Matt Stafford. And so, yeah, it, it was an easy number two pick for me, but I do feel like there's a lot of people out there who are really high on Matt Stafford going into the season. And when they made the trade, for Matt Stafford, I made the comment that the Rams just gave up two future first round picks to go from having the number three quarterback in the division to having the number three quarterback in the division. And I haven't seen where I'm wrong about this yet. And, and I think, you know, we're going to go through a couple of different position spots today. And 
Uh, the NFC West is pretty loaded at quarterback is what it boils down to. You do have three very good quarterbacks in the NFC West. I still put Stafford as a well above average quarterback um, that's up there with the the dudes that I think he's, you know, as good, if not likely better than the Matt Ryans of the world. Like who's who's still a, you know, I know he gets ragged on, on, on by Adam sometimes on the Seahawkers pod being, you know, average, average uh, was a Matty mediocre. Matty mediocre, um, yeah. And with that, that's, you know, that the guy still had a good career. He, he still wings the ball around. He is, he is a good NFL quarterback. Um, well, see, this me, is the thing. And man, I, I may have to have this discussion with Adam because even if you look at Pro Bowls, this is, it just, it's a measure over these last few years. Matt Ryan's made four Pro Bowls. And he won MVP, didn't he? Well, he won MVP that year, yeah. That, um, that's pretty good, too. So he, he had that good season, but it wasn't just that one. He had three right. other Pro Bowl seasons. This is the thing that blows me away about Matt Stafford going back and, and doing this exercise, is that I was curious of what his best seasons were. And for him to only have one Pro Bowl in his entire career after... 12 seasons in the league, one Pro Bowl. I, it's not, I, okay. I mentioned the Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. Yeah, they consistently make it, but there's other guys who make it year in, year out. And for him to only be that guy one season in 2014, and that was the one season where he was selected as an alternate. So he's never been voted by the voters into a Pro Bowl. Like, I know the Lions aren't that great of an offense. Right. But when you consider that Mitch Trubisky made a Pro Bowl, Carson Wentz made one with the Eagles, Jameis Winston made a Pro Bowl with the Bucks, Teddy Bridgewater made one, Nick Foles, RG3, Robert Griffin III, mm. a 36-year-old Carson Palmer made it in 2015. He couldn't beat yeah, out those I, I, guys, I, even in the Lions offense. I love I love the passion. I think it's it's a valid argument, and you know you also let out by saying, "Hey, in the NFC West, it's it's uh, Rogers, Breeze, and and Wilson, right?" So it's like, I how many do they, do they even take? Three, four, whatever they take in a, in a year. It's like cool. Two of the three, or, or three of the three, were just have been sucked up for a decade now, and then there's kind of you know that that next tier scrapping for scraps, and and uh, you know Maddie mediocre comes in and gets these. I think you said four. Yeah. And so why don't we ro- why don't we rotate the Stafford a little bit there? Uh, the thing for me though is that yes, I think he's third. I do think Ky- I think there's separation between him, him and Kyler. I went back and looked. Stafford had had 112 yards rushing. By the way, Russ had 513 yards rushing last year. He actually had a pretty darn effective year running the football again. Oh, yeah. And I do think that Stafford in this Rams offense is still going to be. I get the Goff thing. He might be the third best quarterback. The delta between Goff and Stafford, I think, is going to be palpable. I think it's going to be more than palpable that that, that it's a large upgrade still. And I think he's still the third best in the division, which just says to me, hey, man, quarterbacks are pretty stacked in in this division. Sans 49ers. It's close between Stafford and I just. The added dynamic of Kyler Murray running the ball, I like that. I don't always think the Pro Bowl is the greatest measurement either because Jared Goff does have two Pro Bowls. And so being in that Rams offense, it, uh, it makes a difference. Stafford will be an upgrade over Goff, though. So as, as much as I've been bagging on Stafford now, I, I'll, I'll bring him up just a little bit. Yeah, and, and and it will be and and poor Goff. What I mean, what's gonna I mean, what's gonna happen to that? I mean, hey, poor Goff, the guy's you know multi multi millionaire and, and he's set for life uh, play, playing a football game, which is great. Uh, and with that, it, it will be interesting to see what what happens with that team. Like, and and that actually would be a bit of a measure too. It's like, what if Goff goes over there and and the Lions are better than expected? 
That he, what does that mean for Stafford? You know, looking back at the last twelve years, not saying it's not saying it's likely, just saying something to monitor, right? What if what if he's what if he's actually okay and and plays you know outplays what people think he's going to be uh, out of the McVay system? Um, I I wouldn't put my chips on that. I've seen enough that when you put pressure on the guy, consistent pressure, he you know he melts like the uh, the, the wicked witch there. So which is what I expect because Detroit's not very good. Well, conversely with that, Aaron Fisher in the in the chat says, my argument is Stafford has dealt with pretty terrible Lions teams and it still looked pretty good as opposed to Murray and the cards that they've done their best uh, in Cardinal fans minds to give him a good team around him. And I feel like the the Lions, though, they have done a good job of, of really trying to put a good team around Stafford. I mean, he had Megatron for all those years early yeah. on in his career, so. And they've consistently tried to go out and find a running back that fits in that Detroit Lions offense. And they haven't been able to really do it. And I, so I wonder if bringing Stafford to the Rams, if there's also a function of, yeah, could Goff go in and be good for the Lions? But, you know, what if Stafford comes to the Rams and brings that offense down? I mean, I think it's more likely to go the other way. Not again, this is, are they possible? Of course they're possible. I think you hit the the nail on the head there when the Lions, I mean, going back to Barry Sanders, right? I mean, like after Sanders, they have not been able to run the ball. And that's a long time ago. And, you know, you go through the, the like the Amir Abdullah, like he's going to be the guy. And by the way, now I think DeAndre Swift is actually really, really good. I know Hong Kong Hawk was loving him last year and all over him. I think they do have do have him and they got I think Jamal Williams too. I, I believe he went over to the Lions. That's actually a great one-two combo, which will be interesting for them. This will be a season where I feel like Stafford's going to have a team that is able to run the ball. Uh at least at least with to to have some some balance to that offense because the Rams will run the ball. So that's part of the part of their game for sure. Just very interesting. It's like you kind of know what you're getting with Murray. I think there's, I think there's more to grow for him, and that's not not a short joke. There's more, to, more to go in terms of upside. Stafford, it's like, man, can he can he become can he be an elite quarterback in a system? You know, if if Goff could in what was it 2018, if Goff could put the numbers he put up that year in that system, can Stafford take that leap from being like, oh, you know what, that guy's a very above average quarterback to being like, wow, he was he's really really solid because the system allows him to shine. That is going to be, to me, the biggest question mark probably for the entire NFC West heading in. Well, Clinton, we are recording live via locker room and we've gone through the quarterbacks. What do you say we get some some words in from uh, the folks who are listening in? If you want to come in, raise your hand. And uh, if you have any comments on the quarterbacks of the NFC West, raise your hand and we'll bring you on in. Yes, let's 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 bring in the flock. This is what it's all about, especially with the locker room app. Great that that this exists. And uh, heck, I'm in Connecticut. You're in Montana. We're talking Seahawks. This is lovely. Let's bring in Corey. He has something to say. Corey, welcome to the show. Yeah, you know, kind of going back to that Stafford and Murray conversation you guys were having, though, you know, I, I put in the discussion there, but, you know, just kind of to further up more on it, it's, you know, I think uh, Kyler's obviously more dynamic. He has better legs than Stafford, but I think Stafford's arm is stronger. And I think his fit in the offense is better than Kingsbury for, for Murray. And I think that with a bigger arm, he's going to fit in that offense a lot better. And, and if he stays healthy, I think he can have a better year than, than Kyler can. But, you know, we always talk about how 
Kingsbury holds back, the, you know, the Cardinals, they kind of their heavy passing attack, but say you put him in a, a McVay or a, you know, yeah, Shanahan. Shanahan offense, you know, kind of offense, you know, I think that could be a way better fit. You know, look what it did for, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield and uh, Aaron Rodgers' last season. Kind of those same sign, kind of offenses, but, you know, they they accentuate the strengths of the quarterback a lot better. I think if you had other people doing a similar type of list here, you could probably put Stafford number two. And then there's people that I've heard that are so high just on the situation of Shanahan with the 49ers that could be making the argument that, hey, maybe Trey Lance comes in. I was listening to Mark Schofield on the uh, uh, the SB Nation national show, and he was he was really high on Trey Lance saying that or really any quarterback who came in to play for the Shanahan system that you could plug him in and, and be one of the top quarterbacks. So whoever he was essentially saying anyone who went to the 49ers as a rookie could come in and be successful in that offense right away. And I mean, we'll see. But I, I think that you could make the case for that, at least that that Shanahan could could scheme that quarterback to be more successful, even than maybe Kyler Murray in that Arizona system. That's true. And with Stafford, Corey, like, um, you know, they, they were quite vertical, like uh, for, for many years with the Kenny Galladay and, and lots of talent around them, Marvin Jones, Jr. And lots Calvin of Johnson. Yeah, that. Yeah. Him as well. Right. For all those years pre, pre previous to kind of the, the, the generation before. And it, it will be just interesting to see what happens when when he's he's put in a situation that that's just by its nature, more, more horizontal uh, and less of a vertical attack. Now, I do think, I mean, Stafford also will make his mistakes. He's not like an injury, fully injury prone quarterback. He's not, he's not quite, you know, full Fitzpatrick. You're getting, nope, nobody goes full Fitzpatrick on you. And with that, he, he does, he'll, he'll chuck the ball up there. Maybe, maybe it's actually a bit of a, a bit more conservative with the horizontal game from McVay. And that might bring some interceptions down and just allow for a lot of yards for Stafford to rack up because of the the horizontal game and the nature of the, the yak the, the yak component. So it it's going to be like I said it's going to be very interesting to me it's still the number one thing to figure out and we won't know for at least several weeks is is Stafford going to be a very good fit and how big of a jump is it from Goff to Stafford? If it's significant like really a really big jump, well then guess what? Uh the Ram, the Rams are the the Rams going to be very difficult to beat because they still have the kind of defense they have. Yeah, I just think with uh Kyle, you know um Stafford's arm, you know, not only does he have a stronger arm than Goff did, that he can get the ball down the field deeper, it, it's also the velocity, you know, that those horizontal attacks require a lot of velocity. And if uh, you can be accurate with it, which he's been shown, you know, I oh, just yeah. think that'll accentuate him better. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, kind of going back to the Trey Lance, I still think, you know, listening to what uh, Rob said the other day about him. You know, I think he's pretty spot on, you know, um, I just think that uh, he, he needs at least a year or two. I don't you know, I, yeah. I think I think he needs to sit behind him and at least know the game. I mean, I think the kid has the physical attributes. I think he's got, you know, the work ethic, but there's just a curve and the speed is different and all that kind of stuff. So I, I just think he needs a year or two before he's going to get there. Uh, and I, I'll chime in real quick that it's what's interesting for me there is that that might be correct. He might need that year or two. And I don't think the 49ers have a year or two to give. Like they they are in they are in a mode right now to go win. Now, I guess maybe they're just going to try and rehash that 
dump Jimmy G's salary at some point and then have the rookie quarterback, you know, on, on the payroll and then go for it. Uh, again, we talked about it last time, Brandon, I, I, I still want to see, you know, the, the Niners kind of got a free play last year in, in the worst possible way. They got so injured that it was just like, well, forget the season. Just like, don't, don't even count it. So, but I still want to see, will there be that Super Bowl hangover? Cause they didn't really get that. They, they were bad, but it really wasn't because of the Super Bowl. Probably they were just so decimated with injury. I think they're still, you know, not, not quite as good. I think the Rams might be ascending and, and the 49ers, I don't know, kind of in a bit of purgatory right now. I just have one last thought for you just before I go here, you know, kind of touching on Russ though, and the fit of the offense, you know, we always talk about, you know, everyone says let Russ cook and Pete wants to stay on schedule. And I think that'll make the offense better. And I think that, you know, once we kind of get down that short yardage play where it was last year, it was either run, run the ball to get that short yardage or huck it deep. And I think if, you know, the, the players want to see Russ, you know, cook, so to speak. It's just accentuating that that horizontal game because, you know, a good run of three or four yards is just as good as a slant that goes for three or four yards. I mean, how bad did we want to have DK just run a slant? I mean, how much did Julio Jones and Mac Ryan make a career out of just that play? And it's just like those are just simple plays that it's just I kind of scratched my head at. And I think Shane Waldron's going to figure that out i hope um and i think it's going to even assert russ higher than when he's been already and i hope it gets to that point i hope to see it but uh cheers to and hope to hope that happened big thanks Corey, for coming on and offering your thoughts and yeah man that's gonna be one of the biggest questions going into the season is just how this offense is going to work around russ and it, maybe we didn't talk enough about that to start off the show when we ranked Russ number one and, and really talk about, you know, what dynamics of this offense are going to change now that they're changing offensive coordinators. And, you know, Corey pointed out some there. And it, it's really one of the big questions going into this season is, is how much of a different dynamic is the new OC going to bring to the team? Or is it just going to look a lot more like the same as it has been the last yeah, you know, nine years with Russ. Yeah, and and the and the the likelihood is, uh, you know, a, a divergence and a new a, a change. Uh, while it borrows from some of the good concepts that were there, remember first eight se- weeks of the season, this was like number one offense in 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 football. Russ was the MVP, right? People were running away with it, uh, and then we just couldn't trick anybody anymore because they just they took away they took away the deep stuff. I just don't I, I don't think Seattle will let that happen again, which is great. That's why they brought they brought in Waldron, and we talk. You know, Corey made the points of like, hey, having having an arm that that you have high velocity and can be accurate. It, that's what you really need for the horizontal game. It's not about the deep shots, but it's about getting, you know, really hitting the targets quickly in stride with the velocity. Well, guess who's really good at that stuff? You know, num- number three on Seattle has a pretty darn good arm, well, well above average arm, really can zing the thing. And, and, uh, geez, I don't know if there's another, uh, there's another quarterback as accurate as him in the entire league. It, it's he's one or one and one a with some dudes with this pure accuracy. Um, and so I'm, I'm delighted to see what's going to happen next. And speaking of next, is it, is it time to roll on to the, uh, to the RBs Let's there? Let's roll into the running backs, Clinton. I'll, I'll roll right in and I'll, I'll give I'll, you know, defer to you for first pick, but I do want to set it up and say, we talked a lot about balance. We talked a lot about, um, you know, a, a court, like with, with Stafford, like what's going to happen if he's in a system where they actually can run the ball, what would that do for a dude like that? And when you look at the NFC West, it's kind of the antithesis of the quarterbacks. It's not exactly murderer's row when it comes to star-studded quarterbacks. I was sorry, running backs. There's some talent. 
When I looked around the league, I was like, is there another division that is maybe as weak as the NFC West is with, with running back talent? AFC East is probably the weakest. The best running back right now is probably Miles Gaskin. Now, people might scoff at that, but if you watch some, some Dolphins football, and certainly fantasy players, Gaskin actually can, can play a bit. The Jets, you know, the Jets are Michael Carter, brand new. Pats are just who the heck knows is running the ball for the Pats this year or any year. And the Bills still haven't found it with, with Moss and Singletary. So I was like, right, the AFC East is probably the weakest, but the NFC West might be bottom two or bottom three when it comes to running back talent. And and, and I, and I and you, you know who I love, right? But I think, and it, there's talent there. But if you go look at some of the other divisions, you go look at like what the Ravens put out, what the Bengals are going to put out, what the what the Browns put out. Just go through divisions mentally and you'll start seeing a pattern there. Well, for me, at least, I think running back town is actually pretty sparse in the NFC West. It, it really depends on how you're looking at it, because I feel like with the NFC West in particular, the Rams, you know, they, they run the ball a lot. They're, they're effective at running the ball. Same with the 49ers. And I feel like that works as a detriment to them in terms of having a star running back. And so it makes it tough to pick out who the stars are at the position for, for those particular teams. But in terms of talent, I, I, gosh, you know, I would almost, I don't think I would trade who the Seahawks have at running back for the other teams, but it makes them all relatively even in my mind. Yeah. That might might be, that might be part of it too, is like there, it's a bit of a squishy middle of like good talent. Right. So, so I, I went first last time. Who who would be your your alpha dog in the NFC West when it comes to uh, running backs? It would have to be Chris Carson. I, That's the right yeah. answer. <laughs> I, you know, I I don't think it's because to pick a star, it's I talked about how difficult it is. In Arizona, lost Kenyon Drake. He was probably the next closest guy that you could point to in the division and say that's, that's yeah. a star running back. And yeah, I wouldn't put him over Carson, but I think that that's the the guy that would that you would maybe make the argument for. But to me, it's Chris Carson. He's consistently there at a thousand, you know, near a thousand yards and over. And that's even with his injury issues that you kind of have to nurse them through. And yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't miss a lot of games, but I feel like you have to hold him back just a little bit because you, you want to play him through an entire season. So that hurts him in that aspect, but it's still, I, I like him better than any of the other guys we're going to talk about next. Yeah, there are there are some there, again. There's talent there. I agree. I mean, no shock, but uh, but I do agree that Chris Carson is the best back in the division. And you know, uh, you know, YPC just you know y- yards per carries is a big is a big thing. We've known for a long time, or we've heard for a long time that Seattle has not had the greatest offensive line through through the last decade or so, and yet they still have a you know usually have a top offense. Dudes like Carson, dudes like Beast Mode, who who are, you know, uh, perennially breaking a lot of tackles, making dudes miss, like just yards after contact, always high with these kind of guys. And he was, you know, he was 4.8 yards per carry last year. He is just, to me, again, the most consistent guy there. And his his catches every single year have been ticking up and ticking up and ticking up. And even though only played 12 games last year, he still eclipsed his, I think he tied his high for, for catches or eclipsed it. Yeah. And that's, that's an evolving piece of his game too. It's like, if he could, if he's healthy for 15, 16, or dare I say 17 games, you know, he's a, he's a pretty darn complete back. It, it's, and with running backs, it's all about the health, but yeah, I'm with you. Carson to me is the best dude and under underrated blocker when he has to go out there and, and do that part of the part of the job as well. Very good at the goal line gets the tough yards yeah, Chris Chris Carson's a dog. I just want one full year of Chris Carson at full strength 
And I, I feel like maybe that's asking too much. But yeah, you brought up his catch numbers tied for his his career high with 37 this last year. And yeah, the two seasons of going over a thousand yards in the run game actually fell off a little bit this last year with only 12 games and 681 yards in the run game. But I think, man, if you could get a full healthy season out of Carson and, and into the playoffs, man, that would make the Seahawks dangerous. And that'd be, that'd be a good segue too. potentially it depends on, I would love to know who you have second, but there are that health issue with running backs is what it is. Like those are the dudes who get tackled like the most, right? Just period. They get hit over and over and over again with the rock. And therefore there's more injuries. Like, no, you know, well, and that's one of the things with the 49ers of why it's so important for them to have depth. And they had Raheem Mostert last year. They had Jeff Wilson and both those guys are incredibly talented, really fast. But then they go out and they draft Trey Sermon this upcoming season. And you know what? I, can I just select 49ers running back like <laughs> as my number two? Because I feel like in terms of the offense that they're going to have to run, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's Trey Lance, they're going to have the best opportunity to have the number two running back. And man, is it going to be Mostert? Is it going to be the rookie Trey Sermon? I guess if I had to nail it down, I would probably take Mostert. Yeah, I mean, it's so so I, I was going to say, no, you cannot just take the whole <laughs> Niners team. Uh, be good try and all. And uh, I had Mostert here as well. So and to me, actually, Mostert's talent level is in some regards above Chris Carson, just pure talent. Oh, yeah. In, in, in some ways. Uh, and I, I, again, I'm a, I'm a YPC guy when it comes to, you know, yard, yards per carry when it comes to to running backs. I think it's just, just like Rob Staten talks about the traits that you should look at when they're doing like the three cone or the 40. Like which one actually matters for that position? Well, yards per carry is a pretty big one. You know, he's he's 5.0 last year. Dude's 5.6 for his career. Mostert is a extremely talented dude. He he's he and he's got what he's got something Carson does not have, which is just straight up breakaway speed. Yeah. If if Mostert can get to that second level, like make the linebacker miss, a, a safety overcommits, he's done. He's he's gone. He's he's you know off to the races. 60 something, 70 yard touchdowns, big, big playability. Uh, it is all about health with that guy. And I'll say this too the 49ers also had a sneaky good signing on back in back in basically late April. Do you know another running back they snuck onto that roster? Oh man, I bet I could think about it, but you have it right off the top of your head. Michael Hasty? No, 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 not him. They 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 signed Wayne Gallman. They got, you know, they they got that was they one got of the guys Gallman you talked from, about. Yeah, man, he was it, that was that was a backup dude for me that before when I really thought Carson was gone, I was like, hey, I'm not saying they're, they're apples to apples, but Wayne Gallman is a good NFL running back. He was again, Barkley goes down and the games where he was healthy does nothing. We're talking Saquon Barkley doing nothing. Wayne Gallman comes in with the same team and produces. Now, I'm not saying he's better than Barkley. Uh, I'm saying the team got better, but Gallman performed well as a giant. And now he's on this 49ers team that has like, you know, 69 different uh, different running backs to play there with Wilson, with the Rook. It's an interesting, interesting um, cornucopia of backs. But for me, Mostert is, is still still number two. So that leaves number three, which will be quite interesting. So do you want to you want to take the uh, the bronze one here and see who you put there? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Cam Akers as the number three. It's it was either really between him or Daryl Henderson. And I, I do have that question of who could be the the workhorse in that offense. But from what we saw last year with the Rams, it, it has me leaning Cam Akers. And you know I'm not James Conner, so this, this, much, this, this much you know. Uh, Chase Edmonds is interesting, but it seems to me like when he got his opportunities to be the number one, he 
didn't really perform. Like, it didn't perform like perform like a number one. Um, he might you know, be what, the best third down back though in the division. He, oh, he, I think he's a very talented dude. I agree, and he should he should catch a lot of balls in, in that in that uh, that team. Although, like with a, a scrambling type quarterback, you know, it's 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 maybe maybe you lose a little bit of that with, uh, with where Edmonds could could actually be even more impactful on a, on a different team with a different type of quarterback. With that, I still had Acres there too. Um, I hey, think look at Wilson, us. Look, we, our <laughs> quarterback rankings, our running back yeah, rankings. We yeah, didn't yeah. run it by each other before we started, and look at us. You, you were, yeah, look, look, we look nailed at us it. here. <laughs> I do, th- I do think Jeff Wilson's very talented. That one was like right there for me. Um, and with that, I, I feel so strongly about Mostert that I'm like, all right, if I feel that much about Mostert, then that's got to ding the other guy that really shouldn't be on the field as much, and that's Wilson. But Akers is, you know, I think Akers is quite good. You know, and what I liked about him, which was horrible to watch, was he performed well late in the season, the last you know three or four weeks, and then he had a good, he had a really good playoff. So. Same thing with like a Jonathan Taylor that people were bashing early or David Montgomery in year two that he was getting bashed. But then as the year went on, it's like, wait, this guy's actually, this guy's actually pretty darn good. Um, how good is Akers? I don't know if he's just like just above being a jag and be like, hey, he's a good running back or I, I don't think he's an elite running back. Going back to system, I think it's a good system where, where he'll perform well because it's just a, it's a favorable place to play. And how then is his game going to be impacted then by the quarterback situation? And I just have so many questions about Matt Stafford. I hate to go back to that. But what do you say we move on to wide receivers, Clinton? And right. maybe maybe we can try and, and roll through this pretty quickly. I think that, again, this is probably the first, you know, you and I were pretty close in terms of our rankings. And I think at least with the top two in the division, uh, it's going to be really easy to go through. But you know what? I went first last time. Why don't you take the number one spot for wide receiver? Sure. And and I, I would do a little preface, a small preamble to say um, this to me was the opposite of running back. So like we got really strong quarterbacks. We have like, I think, OK, overall running backs, although uh, I like the talent. But again, compared to other divisions, this one to me is like I look across the board and say, Maybe the NFC South, maybe go look at those teams. They, they got some very talented wide receivers across the board there, um, maybe. But the NFC West might be the most talented when it comes to uh, when it comes to wide receivers, which is which is super cool. Very exciting. So with that, uh, some great names out there. But I think we're doing everyone a disservice if we're not, if we're not just being honest about DeAndre Hopkins being the best receiver in the NFC West. He's, he's the best. He's got. Yeah. He's the the receptions, the yards, the the, con, the contested balls. The guy, and he's done it for so so long. Three time All Pro, 115 receptions last year, 1400 yards last year. He's had 1500 yards twice, and um, now they just also got got them some other weapons that might free him up even more. So yeah, D Hop is D Hop is the dude. Nook as they call him, right? He's the man. And uh, you know, as much as it may ding the pride, the facts are facts. It uh, it is the fact that he is the best wide receiver in the in the division. Um, he doesn't have the best quarterback thrown to him though, so that uh, that dings him a little bit. But yeah, I I couldn't pick anybody other than DeAndre Hopkins, even even putting the Homer goggles on. Yes, I I had to like take you know I had to take him on, put him off. I was like cranking some Duff beer. I'm like just you know really staying in there with with the Homerism, and I was like yeah, even with all those things, it's still D Hop, and and uh, you know that does not mean. A dude who we might talk about next, so I have, I have an inkling might be next, and it'll be you know, definitely want to defer to you. Doesn't mean this guy 
you know, in 2021 might not surpass him because these might be two ships passing in the night when it comes to their careers. I'm guessing I know who you're going with. And, and am I right? Yeah, it's DK. You, you, it's you know, okay. it's DK. Come on now. <laughs> as yeah, in sync yeah. as we've been through these first couple, you know, I'm picking DK as the number two. Yeah. So, so what, what are you loving about DK? What's uh, what, what do you want to say? Well, I mean, he's in terms of the level of talent, in terms of the size, the speed, I think of everything that he brings to the offense. And then, you know, what's his game now going to shift into going into his third season in the NFL? It, this is a guy who just I don't know if we've even seen his pinnacle yet. And that's the exciting thing. We we've seen him get shut down by Jalen Ramsey against the Rams multiple times. And I think that that gives him something to to really work on to say, here's a guy I have to go up against, and he's an all pro at, at the cornerback spot. He's matching up on me every single time. You know, that's that's his job is to try and shut me down. So this is where I have where I know going into the season that I have to get better. And for him to and and hearing him in interviews, just really recognizing that the the best that he has to go up against is within the division against Jalen Ramsey. It lets me know that he has his focus dialed in for this offseason. Yeah, I w- well said. And and just something, hey, second year dude last year who had over 1,300 yards, had 10 touchdowns, had 15.7 yards per reception. That just just some some big, big numbers that that I'm with you. The ceiling is not even there yet. And it's like, hey, remember. We were amazing for eight eight games, and then we were very mediocre for eight games as as an offense. You know, kind of just splitting it down the middle there. What happens if and when we could be just consistent for seventeen games this year? What happens to, to these numbers? Um, the ceiling is is not yet achieved with this guy. So for me, he he's the it, to me it's like he's the clear number two that has a very good chance of. Maybe even this year, when we look back and hey, the season's over, that he surpasses Hopkins from a stats perspective and starts to get to the point where like, wow, that that dude's the alpha and is one of like, you know, top two, top three wide receivers in the league. Period. With like dudes like AJ Brown emerging as well, and you know, like maybe maybe Ridley continues to do what he's doing over there, and Devonte Adams is still so darn good. But we're talking about a guy that has all the ability to be, you know, a top three wide receiver league wide for the next decade and that that's his ceiling that's a hall of fame type ceiling got a lot to do a lot of work to do but that is that dude's ceiling so number three back to the bronze there brandon i'd love to defer to you because this one to me was very interesting has so julio I, well, been do, traded to the 49ers yet Could, no, no, no not yet okay. not yet if, if yep, julio yet. gets traded to the 49ers then maybe maybe that'll be my number three but um, <laughs> you know what i'm throwing on the homer goggles it's tyler lockett Tyler Lockett's the number three guy. Sure, I could pick Robert Woods for the Rams. I could put Debo Samuel for the 49ers. But you know what? I'm going with my guy, Tyler Lockett. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, and again, the, the beautifulness of uh, Tyler is, again, consistency, amazing hands, 100 receptions last year, 10 touchdowns again. I love Tyler Lockett. I, I And I think he is an amazing 1B. Hate to call the dude number two. Uh, it's going to be very, very cool to see what happens with the the Shane, the main brain, Waldron's offense here, like how much more it could free up Metcalf and Lockett now that we have Eskridge, now that we have Everett. It's going to be very, very interesting. With all that, 
He is not my number three. Ooh, okay. He is, yeah. uh, and 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 you know how much I really like Tyler Lockett. Last year, I said, "Hey, Lockett's still the one." So, and in so some you didn't ways, want to even w- call him number two, and now you're, you're not even willing to call him number three. I see. Well, this there's different Man. different scales Man. here, different scales of effects. So I'm, I'm actually going to go off the reservation a no, little see, bit. No, I I got to go back here. You said one A, one B with DK Metcalf far and away the you know the the guy that you would put at number two in the West. So if you're, if you're willing to say one B with Lockett, but you're not willing to say number three and, and, and Metcalf is that far above the next guy. Mm, mm, Clint. <laughs> I like this. You give me the, 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 the Columbo <laughs> wag, you know, oh, just, just one more thing. Right. So I kind of, I kind of entrapped myself here. I got Matlock on the other end, just grilling me. Good job, by the way. Uh, and, and with that, so yes, you're right. And I, I'm really looking at the dynamic on the team, like the the 1A, the 1B thing where it's like it, it fits the team so well and totally fair to call me out on that. But I think it's it's kind of decoupling the dudes and putting putting them in their own silos. The guy who I like third is actually Brandon Ayuk. I think Brandon Ayuk has the most upside and most potential for this year going into 2021. Debo has a hard time staying healthy. I think Ayuk is a faster, more dynamic version of Debo Samuel. And we only got to see 11 games last year. 11 games. He played 12, but really only started 11. He had bad quarterbacks, still had 750 yards, still had 60 receptions, runs the ball like with, with the jet sweeps and the whole thing, the pop passes. Brandon Ayuk is a we we see him twice a year. He's on a bad team. He gets no love in that in that season. And with that, like I think that dude's got a ton a ton of talent. I love Lockett. Lockett to me is is amazing. I really think Ayuk is going to end up at this year being like a a very strong uh, wide receiver for the Niners and surprise a lot of people. So that's my wild card. I figured I figured there must there must be at least one. So Brandon Ayuk is my it's kind of my monkey wrench. Yeah, you know, if if you had to nail me down on who I would take next, I would probably take Robert Woods just because, you know, in terms of if the if, if I were to bring any wide receiver from the division that wasn't DeAndre Hopkins or DK or DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, I think that my next guy that I would say I want that guy on my team, I think it would be Robert Woods, but I think it would be because of the the dynamic that he brings in terms of his hands. And that sort of thing. I, I think that they, and I like your pick. You know, Ayuk was one of the guys I looked at too. But I think that they, they kind of have that dynamic nailed down with the Seahawks. And so Robert Woods, yeah. I think, would just add a little bit something different to the Seahawks. I think that's that's a fair point in the sense that, like, I think we went out and drafted a, a guy named D. Eskridge to to try and be that that Ayuk style uh, receiver. And Ayuk is a lot a lot of fun to say anyway. Uh, Woods to me is a is a professional, very very above average good wide receiver. And that and we've seen his ceiling. He's hit that ceiling for a number of years, and he's you know he's a very good receiver. The other dudes I I think have the 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 more the the better chances to to bust through that and get and get to great. I know Ayuk is not quite there yet, but again, he's only played eleven. He's only started eleven games his, his entire NFL career. So, but it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, the Niners are, uh, you know, I, I kind of got some crushes. I got the, I got a crush on Mostert if he can stay healthy, and I do have a bit of a crush on Ayuk. But uh, oh, we'll see, see this how is that what goes. playing fantasy football does to you, Clinton. This is that is a very very true fact because you I play five different leagues you got to scour and you got to like you know got to dig a little deeper I tell you what though it does make you a better overall fan because you have more appreciation for the dudes that you just kind of you know wouldn't think about oh sure so you're a better fan because you actually like players on opposing teams where I can just you know 
crap all over them. That that's exactly correct. All right. Well, uh, before we get on out of here, what do you say we bring in Brian Shaw? Hey guys, what's up, Brad? I w- I was thinking about the the wide receiver stuff, and I think that this is either going to be a make it or break it year for uh, DK. I think from last year, I think he has a lot of growing up to do. He had good stats for last year, but how many balls that were dropped were his fault or he did a a few stupid things. And I think that maybe this year he's going to start maturing a little bit and, and realizing that it's about, it's about, you know, just the the team more. And uh, I think he'll do either really well or, or he won't grow up and he'll just kind of be mediocre. That's my prediction. I mean, what, what would, what would you have to see from him? That's that would make you say, I, I I'm done with DK. Uh, I would never say I'm done with DK. It's just he has a lot of poise that he um, like. I remember seeing an interview after the game uh, when he played in Miami and they said, you know, DK, what was it like playing there? You know, and you had fans around and um, he said, oh, I, di- I didn't even hear any fans, you know, and it's like, you know, all you had to do is say, yeah, I, I heard the fans and they helped pump me up, you know, and just kind of give it because a lot of kids and stuff are watching, too, and they look up to these stars and, you know, be awesome. Be about yourself. But uh, I mean, the, the, the thing that I would point to just with him last year is when he uh, had the touchdown and, you know, was stripped from behind and, and that sort of thing. And, man, you know, you hate to ever see anything like that. Well, I mean, let's 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 put put a couple things on the table here, though, too. So uh, for 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 you know, Mr. Shaw, I, I'll definitely I'll take the, the counterpoint to this and say, I just don't see it this way in the sense that, yeah, he had that he had that lapse. And that was that was bad. And guess what? You know, 10 seconds later on the sideline, you saw Russ chewing him out, which was, which is like, you know, that's not Russ's vibe to go over there and like get, you know, do, do like angry Baldwin things like, and, you know, angry Doug and get in his face. But Russ basically told him like, don't ever, ever effing do that again. Right. That, that's basically probably, probably the snippet that he gave him and he's not going to. And then how about the, it was Buda Baker, right? The, the Buda Baker chase yeah. down. Is that, I mean, then you got the other side of it where it's like, there's only like one or two dudes in the entire league who 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 are going to make that play, and that was that to me showed the one play was a dumb lapse. The Buddha Baker play shows more than than a dumb than a dumb lapse. Um, I feel strongly, and I think most Seahawks fans would that DK is in a perfect spot with the right quarterback entering year three, where this dude can literally become the next Megatron, if not even better. Like that's that is the yes. ceiling for DK. Um, now I get the reservations, Bri, but I just I just hope that you know whatever come come game four, game five, like that's not even in your brain. It's just like so far removed. Like now nah, this guy this guy's on the right track, and I mean obviously trains the right way. He's doing all the things, doing all the things that you're going to ask of a guy. And uh, you know I, that that's really about it. Yeah, that, that's, I, I'm I'll, curious I'll though, is the reservation around the idea like maybe he ends up going too far over on the on the the uh, diva scale? No, I, I think that's going to come back to normal. I think he's. This is going to be a year of maturing for him and 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 making some plays. And there there's a lot of drop passes. I thought there's, there's like I, I strictly yeah. put on him. Um, but then again, he made some great plays uh, chasing down Buda Baker. You watch that and and just like awe, like is this really happening? Is it? It's going to happen. And uh, and stuff like that was I think is great. Well, I, I do want to chime in real quick, Brian. I think, I think with the drop passes, like that is just going to be a part of his game that he's not going to catch every. He's going to have drops. Like he, that's that's him. You could always see it. You could craft and you can improve and get on the jugs machine and all that. 
And there's probably going to be three to five a year where we're like, oh, dude. And that's going to be part, <laughs> part of his stat line. And he's still going to end up with like maybe 90, maybe 100 this year catches, 1,400, 1,500 yards, probably 12 plus touchdowns. And, yeah. you know, as a whole, it's going to be like, damn, this guy's really good. But you're right, though. Like drops, he, he's going to drop ones in his bread basket a couple of times a year. And that's part of that's part of him. Well, I, I think maybe with a little maturing that, that that some of those drops will go. Even if one of those drops went away, it's it's an improvement, and just always improving and trying to make better. Well, appreciate it, Brian. Um, yeah, this is this is going to be a fun season to watch with DK and Russ and and the company. So definitely looking forward to it. Appreciate you coming on, man. Excellent. Thanks. Look Brian. forward to seeing you guys. Maybe uh, December twelfth in Houston, twelve twelve for the twelve. That's the plan. Houston is it's the plan for the road game this year. Awesome. See you guys. Thank you. Couldn't couldn't have worked out better. All right. We got Brian in before the end of the show. And uh, we did it, Clinton. We made it through. We did. We did. It's a, it's now Sunday afternoon for me. I'm going to be heading to uh, La Playa. So going to be packing a small cooler, have myself a little Sunday fun day, get down to the beach, get my toes in the ocean and enjoy, enjoy some sunshine. So I hope everybody out there who was able to join us in the locker room, had some fun, got your, got your Seahawks on. And then Brandon, if they're not catching us, live uh where, where's it coming out next how, how can they follow yeah follow along at field goals you can subscribe sbnation.com slash nfl podcasts you can follow the uh fieldgoals.com website to see when the new shows are coming out yet yeah, we don't have a time yet for next week's episode but we'll we'll get it out there that's right it's it's, it's fluid like brute like like bruce lee right we're, we're like water over here brandon and i think with that clinton there's only one thing left to say go hawks go hawks go hawks